there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! This morning, we're going to continue on the same vein that we were last week, and we're, we're trying to talk about who the Holy Spirit is. And so the title of this morning's message is Friend of God. <clears throat> and I only have two points, so I'm going to skip an introduction uh, because both of these points are pretty long and I want to jump right in. <clears throat> now would be a good time to tell you that this week's message, um, just like last week's, is adapted from a book uh, called The God I Never Knew uh, by Robert Morris. And so Last week, we looked at a defining characteristic of the Holy Spirit, and we said He is our helper. Well, this morning, I want to offer you two uh, other defining characteristics that speak to who the Holy Spirit is. And the first one is simply this. The Holy Spirit is our friend. He's our friend. And if I can steal from Robert Morris, I, he, would, he says it this way. The Holy Spirit is our friend and he's not weird. I don't know if you've ever noticed that people that talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, sometimes they seem a little weird. Um, if you grew up in a spirit-filled church, you know what I'm talking about. It, it seems like people who talk about the Holy Spirit a lot are really, really weird. Um, they, I remember buying a new house and I had a, a preacher friend of mine who, who was very much into the Holy Spirit. Uh, and before I moved in, he said, hey, before you move in your house, are you going to anoint your doorpost with oil? And I said, oh, no, I never thought of that. He said, oh, yeah, you have to anoint your door, doorpost with oil. Here's what my family and I did. We, we put oil on the doorpost uh, and then we prayed for the Spirit to take this house over, and we marched around our neighbor, our our, uh, our house seven times um, because that's how much we wanted the Spirit of God to rule this house. Uh, and I thought to myself, well, people in my neighborhood they know I'm a preacher already, and they already think I'm weird. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that's the best idea uh, because if I remember the story correctly, the seventh time around Jericho, everything came tumbling down. Uh, so, I, you know, but you, you hear that. And so people who talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, sometimes they act weird. Sometimes they'll even ask you like weird questions like, hey, do you mind if I lay my hands on you? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Are you going to buy me dinner first? Or like, where's this? What are you, what are you talking about? This is, this is weird. Or they'll say, are you ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Just very, very weird people. Can I tell you something? Those people would be weird without the Holy Spirit. They're just some weird people in this world. And so one of the things that we are going to have to do to really truly benefit from this series is to kind of push past some of the stereotypes that you may have about the Holy Spirit. Right, So if you're like me and you grew up in the Christian church, we're already way out of your comfort zone. 
Right, so the only time we talk about the Holy Spirit in the Christian church is Acts chapter 2 uh, on the day of Pentecost. Um, but we don't talk about the Spirit much. And so for some of you, just doing an entire series on the Holy Spirit, it, it's not what you're used to. And you might even feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like some of you are like, all right, I, I'm in, but it better not get weird. Right, you start bringing snakes into handle here at this church, I'll go back to watching online. Right? I am not coming. Right? So we've got to break some of the stereotypes in association with the Holy Spirit. And one of those, if not the biggest stereotype, is that he is the weird guy of the Trinity. Like that, that he seems weird. Uh, and I think the reason that he might seem weird is because he has been grossly misrepresented. Um, people will often do bizarre things and claim the Holy Spirit made them do it. Like, does the name David Koresh ring a bell to anybody? David Koresh told his followers that the Holy Spirit told him that they need to give them his wife. Like, your wife is now mine. The Holy Spirit told me that. Oh, I can't argue with the Spirit. Here you go. Right? And so people do like these crazy outlandish things, and then they claim that the Holy Spirit made them do it. And I would say, no, he didn't, uh, because he's not weird. Um, and I know this is true, because I know him intimately and personally. He's a friend of mine. And so he, just like God, just like Jesus, loves us, gifts us, empowers us, stretches us, cares for us on a far deeper level than we can even comprehend. He is our friend, and he is a good friend. So um, let me give you two ways that I think we benefit being in friendship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the first one is this. He speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. We ended with this scripture last week. We're going to pick it back up. John 16, 13. Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you that which is to come. So Jesus is making this promise that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. And so I think he speaks to us in one of several different ways. So let's, let's just go through this list real quick. One of the ways the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through the Word of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken time to consider this or thought about this, but when you sit down to read Scripture or you go to a church to study Scripture, you are actually listening to the Holy Spirit speak. The Scriptures tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's all inspired. So that means every word in the Bible is inspired to be written by the Holy Spirit. So it's important for us to be in the Word. That's one way He speaks to us. Another way He speaks to us is through other people. He speaks to us through other Spirit-filled people, other Christ-loving, like-minded people. Um, I talked a little bit about this last week. So the end of 2021 was a disaster for me. I felt like, I, felt like I was in the uh, valley of the dry bones. I felt like my soul was just as dry as it could be. Um, and so I started coming out of that by really reconnecting with the Holy Spirit, um, really reaching out to the Holy Spirit. And this crazy thing happened. When, that, when I started doing that, I had, count them, five different people 
come up and tell me almost the exact same thing. It was almost like Groundhog Day with these conversations. And the gist of it was this, hey, don't take this the wrong way. You, you love it when someone comes to you and starts out that way, right? But I am so glad to see that you have your passion back. Okay, now these people were saying it, but I believe that was the Holy Spirit using them to speak to me. When five godly people tell you the exact same thing, you can be sure that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And I think he was speaking through them. And here's what I think he was saying. Welcome back, Kevin. I mean, I've missed you. And the reason you've been so dry, the, the, the reason you felt so empty is because you have chosen to move away from me. And you've got your zeal back because you're now relying on me again. So he speaks through the word. He speaks through other people. And the Holy Spirit also speaks to us through our, our thoughts. Okay, he would be one of those voices in your head, that voice of reason. Uh, look at this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians. I love it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, pick up in verse 12. Now we received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit whom is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not words taught by human wisdom, but, wisdom, but here we go. But in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. You see, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in our thoughts. So it might be the Holy Spirit, when you're about to do something really, really foolish, or maybe even really, really sinful, and you kind of hear that voice that says, I don't know if I do that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through your thoughts. Or we're about to open our mouth and insert our size 14 foot. That's the Holy Spirit that's saying, hey, I would just be quiet right here. Or if we see somebody and we, we feel like this prompting to minister to them and, and help them, and you, you kind of hear that voice in your head, go ahead, take a chance, take a risk. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through our consciousness. Through our, in our hearts and through our minds. He's the voice in our heads. Okay, so I think we would all be in agreement here. How, let's just show it. How many of you believe the Holy Spirit still speaks to you? Okay, and how many of you would say yes and amen? He speaks to you through the word. Yes and amen. He speaks to you through other godly people. Yes and amen. He speaks to you through your thoughts. I think we would all agree, but there are other ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and this is where people get a little weirded out, okay? And I'm going to invite you not to do that. One of the ways, one of the other ways that the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us, and I believe this with all of my heart, He speaks directly to us with His voice. Let me take you back to John 16, 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever he hears from Jesus, he will speak and he will disclose to you what's to come. So we've got this promise from Jesus that the Holy Spirit will speak to us in this small, quiet, still voice. Now, as a pastor, I have only experienced this a handful of times. Last week, I shared with you, in, in the midst of my dry bones, I was pleading for the Spirit to give me words for myself and words from this church, and it happened while I was brushing my teeth. I heard a voice as plain as day that said, wake up. 
Kevin, you need to wake up and you need to wake this church up. Well, before that, I had not really heard the Holy Spirit speak to me for a really long time. Like five to seven years, I would say. Now, in his defense, I was keeping him, holding him at arm's length and really wasn't asking him to speak. But I remember clear as day about five to seven years ago when he did speak to me. Um, those of you who have been around for a minute, uh, we did a series on generosity. And one of my points in that series is that Christians should be generous everywhere, not just with our tithes and our offerings. And so one of the things that I said was I feel like Christians should be big tippers when we go out to eat, that we should be generous with, with all people. And so, and I got done preaching that. Well, that following Monday morning, I found myself at the Waffle House by myself. I ate my breakfast, and I went up to pay. I didn't want to use my debit card, so I opened my wallet. I had a $10 bill, and I had a $100 bill. Okay, and so I forget what my bill was. It was like uh, $9 or $8 and uh, 93 cents, something like that, I think. And so I, I paid with a 10, and I got like $1.07 back in change. And I thought, oh, I haven't left the tip yet. I've got $1.07. I just spoke to my church yesterday about being big tippers and, and being generous I cannot leave a $1.07 tip for this, this poor, uh, probably young single mom that's working at Waffle House here. I can't do that. So I said, I say, hey, I got to go out to my truck. I'll be right back. Um, and I went out to my truck because normally I have a bunch of change in there. And I thought, I'll just get her like $10, $8 and quarters for her trouble. Well, I, didn't, I couldn't find any change. And so I'm frantically digging in my truck. I found two dimes. So we're up to $1.27. And I thought, what am I going to do? I know what I'll do. I'm going to take this $100 bill. I'm going to walk over to Kroger. I'm going to get a few things. I'm going to break the 100 and then I'll lay a $5 bill down and, and tip her. And so just as I was kind of got done rifling through and thinking that thought, I was about to get out, out of my truck and walk over to Kroger. And I heard a voice, a whisper as plain as day. And the voice simply said this, leave the 100 That was it. Just leave the 100 and so, I was kind of fighting, and I was like, are you sure? Like, that's a lot of money. I, I know we're supposed to be generous tippers, but I'm, this is like hilariously generous. And so, here's what I did. I took the $100 bill, walked into the Waffle House at my table, picked up my discarded sweet tea cup, put the $100 bill, set it down, and I walked out. Now, I wish... To make this sermon even better, that when I walked in there, she started crying and she said to me, oh my goodness, I'm $100 short on rent and I only have till today. They were going to kick me out. I was going to be homeless, but you have helped me out. I, I wish she would have said something like, oh my goodness, I'm a single mom and my kids, they, they need shoes and I didn't know how I was going to get them shoes, but now I know how I can get them shoes. Thank you. But that didn't happen. Here's what happened. I walked in, put it down, and walked out. I never saw that lady again. But here's what I do know. That was undeniably the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. So I did it. Now, I know some of you watching online or some of you in here, you're like, okay, you're just weird. 
Like you're, you've, you've got voices in your head. I've got the number of a good counselor. Um, but, but here's what I would say to that. And if you don't hear anything else I have to say today, I want you to hear this because this will change your life. There is no doubt that the Holy Spirit speaks. The doubt lies in whether or not we listen. And we've got to listen intently. We've got to get the clutter and the busyness out of our minds and slow down to hear the voice of God. Before there were refrigerators, people used to use these ice shacks, like these ice houses. And what they would do is during the winter, they would go and they would cut big blocks of ice in the creeks and the rivers that had frozen. They would bring them back to this little uh, ice shack and they would cover that ice full of sawdust. Now the amazing thing is this, this would last well into the summer. Well, one particular day, a guy was in there, and he was rooting around, and his pocket watch fell out of his pocket into the sawdust. And he tore that ice house around. He could not find his watch, so he gave up. Well, a small boy heard about the fruitless search, and he slipped into the ice house during the noon lunch hour, and within 10 or 15 minutes, he emerged with the guy's watch. Amazed, the man asked him, how in the world did you find it? He said, well, here's what I did. I closed the door. I lay down in the sawdust. I kept very still and very quiet. And before long, I heard the ticking of the watch. And I was able to get it. You see, oftentimes we don't hear God speak because we don't listen well enough. Another way that God speaks to us is through what I call the prodding of our hearts. I want to take you to Acts chapter 2. If there's ever a chapter to talk about the Holy Spirit, is indeed Acts chapter 2. This is where 120 of Jesus' disciples, uh, Jesus has been crucified, risen, he ascended to heaven, and here's what he says. Now you just wait. Just wait in this room, and you'll know when the Spirit of God comes. You, there is no mistaking it. And so they did. The Spirit of God came. Peter, one of the apostles, gets up and it speaks to this large crowd. And this amazing thing happens. He's speaking, but you've got people from all different countries to celebrate Passover. And they're hearing him speak in their own language. Okay, And so he's preaching this gospel message. And I want, to pay, I want you to pay attention to verse 37. Now when they heard this, when they heard the gospel, they were, and don't miss this word, pierced to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what, do we, what shall we do? That word pierced in the original Greek language means to be wounded in your conscience. To be deeply moved at your core. Okay, And so it's the Holy Spirit speaking us, trying to move us, trying to prod us along. All right, Now here's the problem. When we talk about the Holy Spirit being the one that prods us along, we get the wrong picture in our head. The picture we get in our head of the Holy Spirit prodding us along is like he's a cowboy with a cattle prod. Has anyone ever used a cattle prod in here? Okay, has anyone had a cattle prod used on them? I have. It's terrible. 
It's terrible. Okay, and so this is, the, this is how we envision the Holy Spirit prodding us along. We're supposed to be on the straight and narrow, and if we veer to the left or we veer to the right or we sin a little too much, he's going to take that prod and zap us back on the path. And so we spend our whole life kind of thinking, oh, he's going to prod me along. That's how he's going to speak to me. And we live in this fear. I want to invite you to reimagine that word prodding for just a second. All right, and I want to speak to you parents who hearken back to when your child was very little. Not, not a baby, but that point in a child's life when you're in Walmart and you're in the parking lot and you're trying to get, navigate to get safely into Walmart and you've got little children, uh, there comes a point, it's usually four or five years old, when they get pretty independent and they are no longer going to have you hold their hand in the parking lot. All right? That's tough to get through that. And so as a good parent, you still need to guide them. And so what you do is you walk beside them or behind them, and you're just gently tapping their shoulder. Hey, watch out for that pothole. Hey, watch out for this person. Hey, watch out for that runaway car. Hey, come over here. And you're just gently trying to move them in the right direction. And so when we say the Holy Spirit speaks to us by prodding our hearts, it's not with a cattle prod. It's this gentle movement in our hearts. Many of you are sitting here this morning because of that very prodding. You sat in a service somewhere or summer camp somewhere or heard the gospel message and you felt something like kind of moving inside of you, kind of prodding your heart, kind of leading you towards repentance. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So he speaks to us uh, in, in many different ways. And let me just say this. Um, I think he can also not only speak to us, he can speak through us. Sometimes he has us say things that we don't want to say. And so let me address something here, and, and let me say this. I don't like to talk like this. Um, it's hard for me to say this and not seem like the church lady on Saturday Night Live, if you Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, and, and, and not seem like hyper-judgmental. Okay, so let me talk to you who are watching online this morning. Some of you are watching online because you are compromised. Uh, COVID is a legitimate concern for you. And we get that. We love you. Uh, we are here. We're a phone call away for you. And, and, and we hope that you can, you can get through this. But for some of you... I might use a phrase, and this is an affectionate phrase. We used to use this when I was a, 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 a student in college on my basketball team. We would use this phrase, come on, man, right? And that phrase signifies, hey, what you're doing is, is a little bit silly. So let me say this to you in love. If you are going into work every day and your children are going into school every day, and your children are involved in all kinds of extracurricular sports, and you're going out to eat in restaurants, and you're going to Home Depot, I'm going to guarantee you, you can walk in that Home Depot and hire them, and there's going to be way more people than there will ever be in this room at a single time. But then all of a sudden, I can't come to church because I'm afraid of COVID. Come on, man. And I feel like the Holy Spirit and I know uh, Amanda's probably watching online viewers drop like crazy right now. But listen, I believe the Holy Spirit is telling you, maybe your priorities aren't in the right place. Uh, I get it. 
I get it. If you're not going out and you're not going to the grocery store and you're not, we're fine with that. But if the only thing that you're avoiding is church because of COVID, I think maybe your priorities are wrong. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't the Holy Spirit. Maybe that was my own fleshliness, but I feel like I needed to tell you guys that. We love you and we can't wait to see you. All right. So a second thing that we benefit through friendship with the Holy Spirit is not only does he speak to us, he comforts us. Now, when Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit, um, do you remember what Greek word he uses? It's the word paraklites. Para means to uh, alongside. Klites means come. So to come alongside. And there are many different words that the English translation uses to translate that word paraklites. Last week, we looked at that word in depth. Some people translate it helper. Some people translate it advocate. Some translations use counselor. Listen to how the King James reads in John 14, 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things into your remembrance, whatever I've said to you. So we use the word comforter here. So the Holy Spirit comforts us. And I want you to think about it. Isn't that what a good friend does? When you're down and you need it, doesn't a good friend bring and provide us with comfort? Right? So if your father dies and you're all broken up about it, a good friend doesn't come alongside you and say, well, good riddance. Like, the world's a better place without that knucklehead. Or a good friend's not indifferent about it. Oh, well. A good friend is going to bring comfort. How can I help? I'm here for you, to sit with you, to pray with you, to cook for you. Whatever you need, I'm here. Because a good friend provides comfort, right? So, so maybe your spouse cheats on you and absolutely breaks your heart. A good friend doesn't come alongside you and say, well, you know, you kind of had it coming. You kind of let yourself go these last few years. A good friend's not going to be indifferent about it. Hmm. A good friend's going to bring comfort. Here's my shoulder to cry on. Here's my hand to hold. Here's my couch to sleep on. I'm here for you. And so the Holy Spirit is our good friend that brings us comfort. And what I want you to understand is this, is this this morning. This is another gift given to us by Jesus. Not only did he die on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven. Not only did he defeat death and raise from the dead so that we could grab hold of eternal life, not only is he in heaven right now at this very moment declaring our righteousness to the Father and preparing a home for us, not only is that, he's coming back to take the church home. In addition to all of this, he left his good friend, the Holy Spirit, to comfort us throughout our lives. But here's the key. We must rest in him to find and feel his comfort. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I absolutely love my bed. Love it. I'm a big man. I'm six foot five. All right. And so I don't fit on a lot of beds. So 15 years ago, we, we made this outlandish purchase for us because we, we usually, we're good with hand-me-downs, but I was like, I'm going to have a good bed. So we bought a California King with a, one of those Tempur-Pedic mass, mattresses. Man, I absolutely love it. It is the most comfortable, biggest bed. I just love it. 
And so a net result of that is I always have a little bit of angst in me, in my spirit when we travel. Because I'm like, what's the bed situation going to be like? All right? Because, you know, you go to a hotel or you go on vacation or you go to some relative's house and you, the first thing you might do is look at the bed. I don't know if that's what you, that's what I do. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I'm six foot five. And so hell on earth for me is a double bed with a footboard. I look at that thing and I'm like, all right, get in the fetal position and get comfortable because that's the only way I'm going to fit on this bed. And so after two or three nights of that, man, I begin to miss my bed. And part of it's because I'm getting old. I get that. But it's roomy. It's supportive. It's comfortable. Friends, the Holy Spirit is that for us. He is our comforter. He's saying to some of you right here, right now, I'm here. Rest in me and you'll find comfort. Stop resting in other beds. You won't find comfort if you're away from the Holy Spirit. If we hold him at arm's length, we're never going to reach our full potential in Christ. If we do that, you will never know the depth of hope that your soul can have here on this broken earth. You'll never know the comfort of leaning into God and pressing into Him as your shelter. You'll never experience walking in true joy of the Lord. You'll never understand the peace that transcends all logical understanding. You will always feel like you're sleeping in a strange, uncomfortable bed. Instead, rest in your good friend, the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit, our comforter. But we have to accept him and use him for that comfort. So in this book I've been reading, The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris, he tells this pretty humorous story. Um, He said when he and his wife first got married, uh, they were poor. Uh, He said everything they had, I'm sorry, I got a microphone malfunction here. I forget it. Um, He said everything that they have was like a hand-me-down. So dishes, furniture. And he said uh, back in those days, he said we didn't have a comforter on our bed. We had a bedspread. All right, and it was, it was a hand-me-down. So they went to another couple's house, and this couple was kind of showing them around. And they went into their bedroom, and he said they had this beautiful comforter on their bed. It was like super cushy and plush. And he said, I saw my wife eyeing that thing. And we got home that night, and she said, honey, I want one of those comforters. So they scrimped and they saved, and about a month later he came home, and she was so excited because she had bought this brand-new, big, thick, plump comforter and she had him come into the bedroom and said look look at this comforter and he was excited and so they ate dinner and watched a little tv and then he went to brush his teeth and he said he walked in the bedroom and the comforter was gone and it was replaced with the bedspread and his first thought was somebody stole it so he asked his wife where's the new comforter and he said his wife looked at him and said robert that new comforter isn't for use it's for looks Now, we've been given this great gift by God, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. But he's not for looks. He is for use. Okay, so he's our friend. He speaks to us, but we have to listen. He comforts us, but we have to let him. I told you these were long points. Point number two. Not only is he our friend, he is God. Now, 
This is not going to be a sermon to explain to you the mystery of the Trinity. I'm launching this point from the assumption that you already believe in the Trinity. God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all uniquely different but amazingly the same. There are numerous verses that point to the Trinity. They point to what C.S. Lewis would call the dance of the Trinity here. And I want, to, I want to look at them together real quickly. We'll go fast. First one is John 14, 16. It says, I, who's the I? That's Jesus. I, Jesus, will ask the Father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. So don't miss this. The Son is asking the Father to give us the Holy Spirit. Then you go 10 verses later, John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I've said to you. So now the Holy Spirit will be sent by the Father in the name of the Son. And then one chapter over, John 15, 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit is being sent from the Father to testify of and about the Son, Jesus. Okay, so I'm sure you see a pattern here. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one yet three working together. Um, the Orthodox Christians in Ethiopia, they take part in this huge feast every year. It begins always on January the 19th, and this feast lasts for three full days. It's by far the biggest holiday of the country. It's bigger than Christmas. It's bigger than Easter. It's called Timket, or also the Feast of the Epiphany. And it is a commemoration to celebrate the baptism of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There's music and dancing and worship and parades and food. It's three full days. Everyone takes off work. They don't go to school. It's these three full days to, to celebrate the baptism of Jesus. It's on my bucket list to go to Ethiopia and attend this before I die. Because I've often wondered, why don't we celebrate the baptism of Jesus? Why don't we make a big deal of this big event? And let me show you why I think this event is, is worth our celebration. This event is, is, is worthy to make much of. John, uh, Luke chapter 3 records um, the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is baptized by John, John the Baptist, not John the Apostle who wrote this gospel. He's baptized by crazy John. He's baptized by this guy who eats grasshoppers covered with honey, sleeps on a rock, and wears camel skin, and screams and hollers at everyone that they better repent or they're going to go to hell. He's kind of a crazy dude, crazy John. So during this event, Jesus steps into the Jordan, and you've got this scene where John is going to baptize Jesus. And then this beautiful, beautiful thing happens. I want you to see this because you can see the rhythmic dance of the Trinity right here in this passage. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is one of the very few times in Scripture where all three of these Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are together here. I mean, what a sight to behold. In a single moment, the Spirit comes down upon the Son while the Father delivers an audible message of endorsement and praise. All three of them right there in this beautiful, intimate moment. Have you ever played the the time machine game? Like, if you could invent a time machine, what event would you go back into history to witness? For me, it's no question to be this event right here. If I could have a time machine and go back to one event, it would be this, to watch the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit kind of dance around together here on the earth. Beautiful. And so even in the baptism of Jesus, you see the workings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together. So speaking of baptism, uh, Jesus, before he leaves this earth, he gives us some final instructions. Listen to what he says in Matthew 18, or 28, 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, Scripture testifies over and over again that the Holy Spirit is a full and equal member of the Trinity. All right, so he's not a force. He's not a thing. He's not an it. He's not a heavenly afterthought. He's not some low-order supernatural being. He's not a second-class citizen. He's not the third distant person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God in one of his three persons. So, it's safe to say the Holy Spirit is God. Now, I'm almost done, but this is great news for you and me, and here's why. If the Holy Spirit is my friend and the Holy Spirit is God, that means in a very literal sense that I'm not an enemy of God anymore. That means in a very literal sense, I am am now a friend of the creator and sustainer of the universe. You, if you've been saved and have the Holy Spirit living in you, you are now a friend of God. And you can't do any better than that, church people. I know you've got some cool friends. I've got a buddy of mine. He travels with all kinds of musicians, and he likes to systematically name drop. Oh, I had lunch with so-and-so. I performed with so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so is so funny. You know, he's my friend, and I'm just sitting there back in my mind going, bleh. Like, yeah, you've got some important friends, but I'm a friend of God. <laughs> you can't do any better than that. Throughout his administration, Abraham Lincoln was uh, considered a president under fire. As you can imagine, especially during the scarring years of the Civil War. And though he knew that he would make mistakes in office, he resolved to never compromise his integrity. So strong was his resolve that he once said this, quote, I desire to conduct the affairs of this administration that if at the end, when I come to lay down the reins of power, I have lost every other friend on earth, I shall at least have one friend left, and that friend shall be down inside of me. End of quote. You see, Abraham Lincoln knew then what I know now and what some of you know now is that The Holy Spirit is our friend, and He is God. And so that makes us on the deepest, most intimate level that you can even realize friends 
with God. The Holy Spirit of God lives in us, works through us, and will never leave or forsake us. He is our friend, and He is God. So let me close with the words of Jesus, just to put an exclamation point on this. This is Jesus that said this, John 15, 15. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, I don't know if you know where this is sandwiched in John, but it's between John 14, a whole chapter about the Holy Spirit, and John 16, another chapter about the Holy Spirit. And the reasons that we are friends with God is because of the Holy Spirit. The will of the Father is that we surrender to Jesus and live our lives every day guided by His Spirit. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, our friend, and our God. And so I really only have one piercing question to ask you as we get ready to pray and, and praise the Lord this morning. And that question is simply this. Are you friends with God? Can you walk out of here today head held high and say, yeah, I am a friend of God because I have accepted the gift of Jesus Christ. When we do that, God marks us off of the enemy list and we now become friends with God. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.